This is the official Caps Chirp Podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the Hockey Show, and I am back with another incredible episode of the official Caps Chirp Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'd like to thank you personally for sticking with me throughout the sporadic release and also apologize that I didn't release any episodes immediately following the um, Stanley Cup, as I said I would, but the reason I didn't was because the Hershey Bears were on an absolutely epic run to the Calder Cup and eventually became Calder Cup champions, so I wanted to make sure that that was settled before I came out and released an episode. Um, So here it is, we're going to be talking about the... NHL playoffs, recent league news, uh, NHL awards, a little bit of the draft and how that's going to affect the Caps, and of course, your very own Hershey Bears killing it in the Calder Cup Finals and capturing their 12th Calder Cup, which is a league record. So again, thanks a lot for sticking with me. If you're an OG here, you know that usually we do two episodes a week, um, Monday and Thursday, had to remember myself, and... Generally throughout the season, that's that's how it's going to be. We'll be here all the time. But as the Capitals were out of it and the season was nearing to an end, uh, episodes are going to be sporadic. I'll probably do one after the draft to talk about who the Caps actually picked up. And um, then from there, you probably won't hear from me until camp or until things start ramping up in the preseason, first games, things like that. So... Hopefully, you'll stick with me throughout the summer. Hope you're having a great summer. It's starting to get hot. Hopefully, you're hitting the links, playing some golf, you know, doing the fun summer activities, drinking beer, whatever it may be. But speaking of drinking beer, let's pop some tabs and get this episode going. One, two, three. All right. So let's start off with a little bit of league news. Peter Laviolette, ever heard of this guy, um, is now officially the Rangers' new head coach. I cannot wait to see him play all of the young players that they have in the stocks there. You, you know, I think that <clears throat> I think that Lavi got a really bad, you know, reputation for not playing or being uh, young player resistant, and I don't think that's fair at all. I don't think that's true. I think that the young players he had at his disposal were just not performing the way that they needed to be. And, you know, I think that players like McMichael, uh, you know, are, are, are big name players that are supposed to be highfalutin uh, prospects really uh, did not come through. Uh, they started to in November and December when the Caps were playing the best hockey. But after that, uh, you know, especially McMichael, I think that uh, he, they soured their stay a little bit. And then we had some players return, and that's just how the cookie crumbles. Now, I was pretty sure that Laviolette was going to land on his feet in the NHL and become a head coach somewhere else uh, and probably at a contender. You know, this is a guy whose resume involves three-year deals where he takes the, that team uh, to a Stanley Cup final. In that three-year deal, the Washington Capitals were an anomaly. And I also said that, you know, he had every excuse in the book. Global pandemic, revolving door roster with injuries um, for the Washington Capitals. He could walk away from the Washington Capitals with his head held high. And he did. 
and the Rangers, uh, who look to be on their way to contending for a cup here within the next three years, uh, picked him up and also agreed with that assessment. So best of luck to him. I really don't think he was as bad as some of the Twitter people uh, think he is. Uh, But at the same time, they're entitled to their opinions, whether it be wrong or right. So moving on, though. The Avalanche have acquired Ryan Johansson from the, or Johansson, I'm sorry, from the, uh, from the, I don't even have the other team. That's embarrassing. But they got the rights to Galchenyuk in return. You know, it's, it's kind of a, I think that's a big pickup for the Avs. I'd definitely add some depth. I would assume that he would come in like a third line center, which is crazy to think that Ryan Johansson would be a third, not third line center, though uh, his production has dipped from the very big numbers that he was putting in a few years ago. So good for him. Uh, We'll see what the Avs can do to claw their way back up to glory. They definitely have a lot of good players who still have a lot of tread on the tires who can continue to go contest a cup, especially out West, which we had thought was a very weak conference, or at least I had thought. (laughs) Captain Eric Stahl signs a four-year deal with the Canes. It's an extension, $2.9 million a year. He's 34. The end of his contract will see him being 38 or 39. Um, you know, he's still a productive player. I'll give him that. And it's not a big cap hit. It's movable, I guess. At least in the first two years, maybe. Um, so, obviously, the organization thinks that his leadership, him being the captain, him having, you know, that still that scoring touch is important. And, uh, you know, good for him, I guess. Uh, uh, speaking of Eric Stahl, though, uh, the NHL did come out and say that they're not going to do any specialty jerseys anymore in warmups due to players like him uh, refusing to wear a pride jersey on pride night. Dana White came out and basically was caught with the net. The Nelk boys, who are, you know, Canadian and uh, a little bit degenerate, but, you know, very popular and wanted to work with the NHL. And they were basically saying, like, the NHL didn't want anything to do with them. And Dana White basically called out the NHL saying they're just a bunch of old, dumb fucks. And I have to agree. The NHL marketing has been subpar at best for the past decade and a half, probably, you know. They they don't know what's cool. They don't know, you know, how to get people involved. You know, obviously, their game plan for spreading awareness of hockey is to just add more teams and get that grassroots movement going. While I think that that's a great idea and it really does help the communities in which these teams end up be being in, it's it's also like you know where's the national appeal? Where's the the mass appeal to the NHL? Uh, and, you know, obviously people are always going back to, well, you got to go get a get get a ticket to the NHL game and see hockey live and yada, yada, yada. And you look, man, I mean, hockey tickets are fucking expensive. Uh, usually good seats are anywhere in the triple digits. And, you know, fuck, if you're in Toronto, it could be four or five digits <clears throat> for excellent seats right? So for quality seats. Now, I like to sit up high. I don't mind sitting in, a, in the eagle's nest and the nosebleeds, but... You know, when you get down close, you really do appreciate the speed and everything that these players have. So just to say that really automatically, I feel, negates a ton of people 
from the sport. Like, oh, a way to get in is you have to pay more money. Become a fan by paying more money. I don't know if I like that so much. I do agree. I agree wholeheartedly that you go to a, a live game and you probably are hooked as a fan. I mean, that's just it. But <clears throat> as we know, the main driver of revenue for the NHL is ticket sales. So just looking at the numbers, which is what these old fucks are doing, is, oh, well, we need more teams, more asses and seats. That's what that means. More revenue for the league, things like that. But, you know, meanwhile, you look at the NFL, the MLB, uh, and the NBA, and people turn on those games and watch them. The NHL just signed a big old deal with, uh, you know, with TV networks, ESPN, <clears throat> and TBS, and all that. Uh, TNT, they're on TV now. So, you know, with I think that they've done a decent job with getting that broadcast team on TNT back up. ESPN was meh. Um, it's it just seems that it's hit. It's missing the mark. And that is a tried and true trope for the NHL for the past decades, right? They're just bad at marketing themselves. <clears throat> In this move to, you know, everybody, you know, they're not saying it, but everybody knows why this is happening because players bitched about it and the NHL didn't take a hard stance and say, shut the fuck up, you millionaire players. Like, go out and, you know, go out and wear it for warmies and then, you know, get back into your other kit and go out and play the fucking game. <clears throat> I know that sounds crass, and but at the same time, like, you know, you're a millionaire athlete. Let's, uh, you know, let's do what the team wants. And on top of that, like, what's the problem with being inclusive? So, <clears throat> you know, and and not to mention all of the money that the you know we talked about grassroots and community all the money that was raised for other causes military night you know all sorts of other different jerseys that were auctioned off and donated to different ch charity groups not just pride um <clears throat> i don't get it man uh, i think that it's a bad move i think that it's a spineless move by the nhl uh which who let's be honest, the NHL has no problem screwing over their players, right? Like, I mean, look at the collective bargaining agreements pre-lockout. The, the, the fucking league has literally had to stop operations twice, you know, in the past 20 years, two or three times because of, of this, of because the players were too upset with, you know, the collective bargaining agreement and thing, things like that. And they ended up locking out, you know, this is a thing. So it just doesn't seem very consistent in that front and I think it's a bad idea for growing the game and I think it's alienated some people and on top of that you know I, I just don't see anything good coming from it uh, it's not good marketing it's not good financially for the all of the great organizations in which they've donated to <clears throat> it's um and and of course people like the jerseys like fans liked it so <laughs> whatever um the NHL gonna do NHL things I guess but that's my take on it. You know, like it or lump it. Anyways, Sean Dersey traded to the Oats. The Kings will get a second rounder in 2024. Patty Marlowe, this is some cool news, joining the Sharks front office as development coach and hockey advisor. This is a no-brainer. Glad to see Pat Marlowe staying involved uh, in hockey. You know, what a legend in his in himself. So good for him. And uh, finally, we're going to be talking about the Stanley Cup Finals. So, you know, fuck Vegas. This, that, 
them winning screws my entire every pick that I had for the playoffs. I'm so glad I didn't make a bracket. I'm so glad I didn't put any money on these playoffs because I would have lost tenfold. Um, also, fuck Bruce Cassidy. Don't like that guy for obviously what he's done, what he did when he was with the Washington Capitals 15 years ago. You could look at this, you know, I mean, if you're a Vegas fan or if you're maybe even a Boston Bruins fan, you can say like, oh, look at Bruce Cassidy. What a comeback story. It took him 15 years after berating his players for, you know, needing to do more in Washington and getting promptly shown the door. Had to toil away in the lower leagues to finally get another shot as a head coach. And then now he's won a cup, I guess, you know, good for him. Um, You know, congrats to Stevenson and uh, GM George McPhee, you know, good for him. Good for him to do all that. Uh, But that's really the only silver lining here. Uh, And again, you know, I'm being very harsh. And in previous episodes, I said, you know, I think it is good for hockey. So despite the NHL's marketing and and their fuckery, uh, the game is growing and growing in new markets and things like that, though the Vegas Knights have gotten every opportunity in the book. They were the first expansion team in the new era. They've... They got a, a star-studded roster. Um, I'm not sure if the the then they're they're still talking about expansion. Two more teams, Atlanta, uh, maybe Houston. You know, I know Quebec City still wants one. Uh, and then there's always the worry with those things that you're diluting the talent pool, and it's going to be a bunch of scrubs beating up on each other. I don't know if that's true. Um, it may be, but at the same time, hockey is growing everywhere uh, at the grassroots level. So. Maybe it's not. You know, we've got players from Arizona who are leading the league in scoring or, or close to, right? So good for them. But <clears throat> I guess uh, in a roundabout way, there is good things for the sport that the Vegas Golden Knights have won. Um, I'm just uh, – I just think that obviously they were given every opportunity to win a cup and they, they took it. So we'll just leave it at that. Congrats. Congrats. Vegas for winning the cup after this long, long awaited victory. The past six years must have been brutal. <laughs> Speaking of, of the cup ceremony though, you know, when they, when they brought them out, I always watch it every year. I had to force myself to watch it this year. Did anyone feel like they're looking at the red wings of yesteryear during this cup celebration? You know, vets like Martinez, Petrangelo, Kessel, Quick, and even Eichel going there gave me the vibe um you know it seemed like you know in detroit the the joke was it's the joe lewis retirement center right like when you couldn't win with the team that you had been with long term you sold out and you went to detroit to try to win one and typically it happened uh in the you know back in the early 2000s 90s things like that but i was just getting that vibe from watching all these veterans lift the cup you know Again, you know, Petrangelo, Kessel, Martinez, they've all won. Quicks won. Eichel, first time, you know, good for him. Uh, so that was just a, a, a take uh, on my part. But uh, maybe the, the Joe Lewis Retirement Center has moved out west and into the desert. The Panthers uh, were, were banged up and clearly outclassed in this series. There, there were, I think we're living in the only plane of existence where the Panthers faced off against the Knights in the finals this year. Kachuk, who was one of their best players in the playoffs, was injured with a fractured sternum in the in the elimination game. Um, 
you know, that's that's a tough bounce. He really was hurt. Uh, and obviously he seems like a tough customer. So if there was a option for him to play, he absolutely would have done it. Um, so, you know, sucks to be the Panthers. And honestly, the Stanley Cup finals to me, while if you were a Vegas fan, I'm sure they were epic. For me, they were just kind of meh, lackluster. Um, it seemed like Vegas really just dominated the whole thing. There were very many storylines, uh, as always, with the Stanley Cup final, you know, with all those veterans like Petrangelo, Martinez coming out of nowhere, right? I mean, he won with L.A. along with Quick, and, and now they're both there and lifting a cup. Um, and, of course, obviously Jack Eichel having all that drama in Buffalo, coming to the desert, getting it. You know, lots of good storylines if you're a Vegas fan. And so that's also, you know, adding to the history books there. Um you know, I think uh, looking at both tendies is, is a good start, though. Aiden Hill was excellent coming in uh, for in relief for Brissot and the other three tendies that the Knights used during the playoffs. I mean, he carried them uh, and throughout the, throughout the season. So as far as the, the amount of goalies that they used. So uh, interesting stuff there. Aiden Hill, you know, who knows? Is this lightning in a bottle? Is he going to be a stud from now on? I can't comment on that. I don't like commenting on goalies because they're absolute voodoo. Who knows what they're going to be doing in the next few years. Maybe they aren't anything for the next five years. Maybe Aiden Hill just does nothing for the next five years and then comes back and, and wins back-to-back or something crazy, right? Who knows? But um, in any case, the goaltending position is always fun to focus on because they're the only players on the ice that do their job. And um, they're vitally important to uh the uh, the cup run. I always say that you need to win. Your goalie needs to steal at least four games in a um, in a cup Stanley Cup run. That's one per series to win the Stanley Cup. And the Gaden Hill stole quite a few. Probably eclipsed that four four game mark uh, pretty early on, and then into the finals. So good for him. And then finally, we have to mention Phil Kessel. He somehow won another cup. <laughs> Didn't even play uh, in in the finals much, but you know he was there the whole season and and was somewhat of a contributor. And of course, people are focusing on that. I don't really prefer Phil Kessel. I hated what he did in Toronto. Uh, you know when John Scott tried to fight him, chopping wood. I'll never forget that <laughs> ridiculous show. But you know, there it is. Good. That's a, that's some of the some of the storylines. I'm sure you can make up others in your own time. The NHL awards ceremonies coming up. <clears throat> I'm just gonna quickly rattle off this stuff. Now, keep in mind, most of these awards are voted on by writers. So, you know, what the hell do they know? They're not playing. They're not in the league. They're not. You know, I mean, there are hockey experts. I'm sure, but they're writers. So, you know, let's take a look at these. For the Hart Trophy, which is the MVP to his team, Connor McMichael, Pasternak, Matthew Kachuk. <laughs> I think McMichael's got that locked. I think that McMichael is going to come away with a couple of these, if not more. The Norris Memorial Trophy, James Norris Memorial Trophy, given to the best defenseman. Adam Fox, back in the running there. Eric Carlson and Kale McCarr. I think Eric Carlson's got that locked in. Typically, this is, you know, we've talked about this in the past. They should have, like, two trophies for defensemen. Defensemen never get any love. 
they should give like the best offensive and best defensive defenseman trophies out. Uh, typically, this trophy goes towards goes to the highest scoring defenseman or a defenseman who showed a lot of offensive uh, upside in his game throughout the season. Eric Carlson, God, I think he had like 100 points or more, which is nuts from the blue line. I think he's the shoe-in for that. The Vesna Trophy is given annually uh, to the best goalie, as voted on by NHL general managers. So this one has a little bit more weight, I would think. Hockey guys are voting on it. Um, with with this one, you know, they don't always... Uh, with this, they, they don't take into account the playoffs, right? This is kind of throughout the whole season. We've got Connor Hellebuck, Ilya Sorokin, and Linus Olmark. I've got to think Linus Olmark's going to come away with this one only because of the incredible season the Boston Bruins had in the regular season. But who knows? Uh, Hellebuck's been in the running before, so is Ilya Sorokin. So it'll be that'll be an interesting one to watch. The Ted Lindsay Award is given to the most outstanding player in the NHL, but this is voted on by fellow members of the NHL Players Association, other players. So for that, we've got Eric Carlson, Connor McDavid, David Pasternak. I think Connor McMichael or Connor McDavid, <laughs> sorry, takes this in, takes this as well. Um, I don't think that I think the players agree that he's he's the best uh, and the most important MVP to his team. The Calder Memorial Trophy, given to the best rookie. Uh, this is voted on by writers, the Professional Hockey Writers Association. Maddie Beneers, Owen Power, and Stuart Skinner. Uh, Beneers played for the Kraken, Power played for the Sabres, and Stuart Skinner for the Oilers. This is going to be a tough one, but I want to say Beneers was touted as, as a top player and showed it in Seattle. I think that he might come away with that one. The Jack Adams Award, <clears throat> given annually to the coach who has contributed the most to his team's success. This is voted on by NHL Broadcasters Association. We've got Dave Haxtall uh, of the Seattle Kraken, Jim Montgomery of the Boston Bruins, and Lindy Ruff of the New Jersey Devils. Now, I, f- I feel like Montgomery is going to get this, though I would love to see Lindy Ruff get it. I And, and honestly, I... It's, it's a toss-up because the way that the Devils fans, you know, hated him and then loved him. I mean, the, the drama around it, Lindy Ruff being so old, being such a veteran in the league. What an incredible honor it would be for him to win a Jack Adams at this stage in his career. I think it would be awesome. So I'm all, I'm all about Lindy. Um, <clears throat> the Selkie Trophy, which is given to the best forward with the best defensive forward in the game, you know, forwards get the the MVP and, and the offensive, uh, you know, points, Richard, things like that. They get all that. But the defensemen don't get a defensive defenseman award, which sucks, but they have a defensive forward award. Again, just, just state in my case, NHL, if you're listening, you should do it. I know you're listening anyways. Um, Patrice Bergeron, of course, perennial. Nico Heeshear of the New Jersey Devils, and Mitch Marner of the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's an interesting pick. Uh, Mitch Marner going for a Selkie here. Uh, this one, I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, Bergeron has won it so many times. He's absolutely a solid candidate. I don't know 
if defense is synonymous with the Toronto Maple Leafs in any conversation, so I'm not sure how that's going to work out. And then Nico Heeshear, young up-and-comer, would love to see him get it too, so whatever. Lady Bing, the best sportsman uh, sportsmanship award for gentlemanly conduct. Uh, again, that's a player association vote. Jack Hughes, Anze Kopitar, and Braden Point. Hmm. You know, this is a weird one. I'm not sure. Anze is always a beauty. Uh, but, you know, and Braden Point's an incredible player. Jack Hughes is really emerging into his most evolved form, if you will, as a player. So it'd be cool to see him get that. Uh, I, I'm not going to make a pick here. I have no idea. The Jim Gregory General Manager of the Year Award. This is given out, this is a new award, newer, uh, from 2009-2010. It's it's voted on by the league's GMs and a panel of NHL executives and print broadcast media, print and broadcast media, after the second round of the playoffs. Jim Nill of of the Stars, Don Sweeney of the Bruins, and Bill Zito of the Panthers. I think that Jim Nill is probably the underdog here, even though he did create a team that punched way above their weight in the playoffs and throughout the season. Um, but Sweeney for the Bruins, I mean, he had some some things to take care of, right? I mean, the decision to bring back Bergeron and to bring back Krejci and then to add the pieces that he did. The Panthers, uh, you know, again, that was the, after going deep in the playoffs, there a bit of turmoil, coaching changes, things like that. Um he, he did a pretty good job as well. I'd have to say that Sweeney, though, will probably take this just because of the team that he put. And then, you know, during deadline, he took Orlov and, and Hathaway. You know, they really, he really, you know, added fuel to the fire. So, and of course, the regular season um, was incredible for, for Sweeney. Though, since it's done, the voting is done after the second round of the playoffs, who knows? Because they didn't go any farther than the first round the king clancy memorial the best leader on and off the ice uh who's made a noteworthy humanitarian contribution to his community this is voted on by the professional hockey writer association and the nhl broadcaster association michael backland of the calgary flames anders lee of the islanders and darnell nurse of the oilers I can't speak on, you know, I don't know their markets enough to say what they've done off the ice. Um, So I don't really know. So I can't comment on this one. But congratulations to all those guys. A couple, you know, Anders Lee's a veteran in the league. So it was Backlund. And then awesome to see Darnell Nurse, you know, in in the running there. Bill, uh, the Bill Masterson Memorial is the player voted to best exemplify the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to hockey. It's voted faded on by the Professional Hockey Writers Association. You've got Clayton Keller, Chris Letang, and Stalock, Alex Stalock of the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, the one that I know the best is Letang. He had that he's had that stroke kind of um, underlying condition for his career uh, that they kind of found. And he had a small stroke during this season. So I see him being a stroke. That's why he's in there. Um, you know. I'm glad that he got back, even though I hate the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, you never want to see somebody like die or, 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 you know, at least when you're 
not playing against them at least. We, you know, you don't want to see any of that happen. Clayton Keller, uh, you know, come back. All these guys probably deal, dealt with some sort of injury. I'm not exactly sure. So um, interesting to see what a lot, what that will happen. Now, there is also finally the Mark Messier, Messier NHL Leadership Award given to the player who exemplifies great leadership qualities to his team on and off the ice during the regular season. Um, suggest, this is what's funny. I never knew this about the Messier Award. Suggestions for nominees are solicited from fans, clubs, and NHL personnel, but the selection of the three finalists and the ultimate winner is made by Messier himself, a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame, one of the finest leaders in NHL history. No finalists have been announced. The winner will be unveiled at the NHL Awards. This is just this is just Mark Messier giving out fucking awards himself. That's it. Um, they, it is true. Mark Messier is probably one of the best leaders ever in, in the NHL, and that's... <laughs> amazing that 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 is how it's chosen i never knew that i just thought it was named for his namesake and there was like a board or something but no messier himself chooses the winner of this award so that'll be interesting to see (laughs) he's he must be better at choosing awards than he is a broadcaster i'll say that you know love messier but fuck um all right caps fans i do have to pay the bills here DraftKings Sportsbook, our longtime awesome sponsor. New customers can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. You can get $150 in bonus bets instantly if you bet just $5. Using code THPM, THPN, the Hockey Podcast Network. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call eight one call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelpma.org. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Four six seven three six nine in Kansas. Call one eight hundred five two two forty seven hundred on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas City in West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler or visit www gambler net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with the Hollywood Casino at Charleston. Charlestown Races in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call. Eight 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 seven eight nine seven 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 seven, or visit ccpg.org. Twenty-one older in most eligible states, but age restrictions or age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet fifty dollars. Ten plus leg rec for one hundred percent boost. <clears throat> Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. All right, Caps fans, we've got a lot to talk about in the Washington wraparound. <laughs> Let's get to it. All right. So, congrats to the Hershey fucking Bears for winning their 12th Calder Cup, which is the most in AHL history, the most winning AHL franchise. This is awesome news. I look back 
five years ago when the Caps had the worst, quote-unquote, the worst farm system in the league, the worst prospect pool, they were bad. Which, at the time, may have been true as we were on the war path for a cup. But, uh, hey, what a rebound. Pretty quick one, too. The Bears took the series, uh, the uh, the final series, in seven against the Coachella Valley Firebirds. They were the Kraken affiliate. On a way ice in overtime from a net front scramble banged in by Mike Vecchioni in what was a home ice advantage series where every team up to that point had won at home. During Game 7, the Bears were actually down to nothing. So what a gutsy comeback win. I love that. In that game, McMichael and LaPierre also scored. Really good stuff. You know, McMichael only caught, almost coughed up a shorthanded goal opportunity, failing to keep it in. Uh, but Hunter Shepard, who won the MVP of the playoffs, uh, shut him down. <clears throat> they scored two, one through a screen, another through like kind of a net front scramble, kind of off a rebound. Really not his fault. Uh, and then after that, he just shut the door and kept it closed. So in game seven, he stopped, you know, that shorthanded breakaway and the the Bears were severely outshotted in stretches this game and in bulk, bulk chances overall. Uh, I've I've got to give it to the Bears, man. I mean, they really had to dig deep being down 2 nothing, and then coming back in overtime to win it off of a really kind of uh, workman-like play, if you will, you know, a lunch pail play where there was a scramble in front and getting guys to, to the front of the net. I love it. Uh, I think that it's been great for one, the organization, and two, for all the guys that we loan back to Hershey, Protus, McMichael, LaPierre, Snively, Pilon, Malenstein, you know, Vecchioni, all the big names are on the score sheets throughout this run. Uh, plus some guys you may not have heard of, like Logan Day, who's a defenseman, played 19 games in the playoffs with tons of points. Uh, Mason Morelli, a left winger with double-digit points throughout the run. It was... Uh, Truly a, a, I think, a bit of a Cinderella story considering, you know, the Hershey Bears had a, had a strong season. And then during playoff time, they got the additional boost of McMichael Protus. You know, they got all the NHLers whose team did not, you know, the Washington Capitals did not qualify for the playoffs. So they had a little bit of extra time uh, with the Bears. And I think that was a huge, um, you know, learning experience for these players that are primed to take the next step. You know, McMichael simply, you know, looks like he wasn't ready. I hope that this was a huge step. You know, obviously, I, I spent a lot of time bagging on this kid. But, you know, after a rookie season where he did okay, had a decent one, sophomore slump, came into camp, you know, a, and almost got cut and ended up playing several games in his sophomore season and then got sent back down. I think that's a little bit of humble pie and, you know, primarily development, right? Need to develop these, these players. Uh, I think that maybe he was rushed a little bit into the lineup when he was, um, but good to see him take that and, you know, focus on the task at hand, which for him was to win a Calder cup. And he did. So that's awesome. They'll always be champions in the AHL and, and can't take that away from them. So that's awesome for them. This, I think, has to give the Washington Capitals just an incredible lookout on next season with the, the new regime coming in, uh, seemingly an embarrassment of riches and young player to, in the young player department. I mean, defensemen, uh, forwards, we've got it all. And 
Hunter Shepard emerging as the MVP and a top goalie in the league. We'd love to see him continue that. You know, Zach Fucale has announced that he's going to be going to play in the KHL. Uh, you know, I, I he I'm I'm not sure. You know, I don't follow him that closely. I'm not sure exactly what his total reasoning is, but you know, he had. Uh, a few games where he looked pretty good with the Caps, but then had a had a real stinker of one, and then they sent him back down, which is typical. Uh, he's a little bit older in age. You know, he was a former first overall pick for the Montreal Canadiens and didn't work out. He spent the majority of his career in the ECHL, but now he, uh, you know, he, he went up to the Hershey Bears, and um, he's going to go play pro over in Russia. Hopefully uh, the the experience of living in Russia and then you know, uh, the money I'm guessing is probably a strong, strong reason why. So wish him the best of luck, but looks like Hunter Shepard is, uh, is going to be a starter next year, maybe. Um, and it's definitely a guy that I think the Washington Capitals want and need to keep in the system. Uh, the Washington Capitals do not pay, uh, you know, in the, in the show more than around eight, eight million dollars for a goalie tandem. We saw that with Holtby, uh, you know, we saw that with Newverth, we saw that with Jose or with the Theodore, you know, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a pretty consistent trend for the Caps. They want their goalies cheap. And again, it's because you can never really know a trajectory of a goaltender. They could be amazing and be consistent for the next 10 years, or they could be amazing one year, terrible the next five, and then go win you a cup in year seven, right? So who actually knows what, what goalies, what goes on in their head? If you've ever played hockey and you've ever met some goalies, you know exactly why that is. So awesome for the Hershey Bears. Congratulations. It's amazing news. I would like to remind you, Caps fans, that the last time the Hershey Bears won a championship, it was back-to-back. And from that group of players, we got guys the likes of John Carlson, Carl Alsner, Braden Holpe. You know, ever heard of these guys? I mean, these are bona fide Caps legends. And um, then we won a cup. So it was several years after. But, you know, definitely a positive. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to happen this time. But to see these guys really come out of their shells and especially McMichael and, and LaPierre, these highly touted prospects that we spent draft capital on. I'm glad to see that they are, you know, their development is paying off. And so, you know, I think that there's a misconception that a lot of people think like, well, you know, you can develop players in the NHL by force feeding them minutes. And yes, if you're in a position like the New York Rangers were a few years ago, where all you had was young talent that you'd built through the draft and leveraged picks for and things like that with a handful of, of veterans whom you probably were going to ship off later. Absolutely. You do have that flexibility to just force feed minutes. You have a development developmental coach, a guy who's really uh, into you know developing players, uh, but not into winning now. Lots of times you'll see there's a difference. There's a there's a coach that's developmental in the NHL, and then when the team is ready, or at least management thinks the team is ready, they shit can that coach, and then they bring in a lavy. They bring in a guy with pedigree. With the Washington Capitals, it seems like ideally we have both of those, or a good blend of those, with Spencer Carberry, someone who can manage the studs on this team, the veterans, but also 
develop the the young guys to get them to the next level to be elite players in the NHL. On paper, that's what it looks like. Uh, and with our new hire of Mitch Love, who's going to be taking over the defensive side of the puck for the Washington Capitals. He was just hired about a week ago. Um, he's a former two-time AHL coach of the year. He, used to, he was in Calgary's system. He got passed over for the head coaching job for Calgary and, uh, you know, started looking around. He said that when Spencer Carberry was hired by the Caps, it perked his ears up. And he was really appreciative for McClellan and giving him a shot. And so now we've got a couple of rookie NHL coaches, one a head coach and one a uh, assistant coach working on the defensive side of the puck for the Washington Capitals. It's not a facelift, folks. It's a brand new coaching body. Uh, I'm pretty pumped about it. I'm excited, but I'm cautiously excited. You know, these guys could shit the bed for a year, two years, uh, you know, and then finally come around or never come around. Or they could go off like gangbusters and really get the buy-in of their coach and uh, or of their players. And and it could be smooth sailing and, and high flying from here on out. Who knows? But in any case, it's going to be incredibly exciting uh, for us Caps fans to be watching this and, you know, obviously – Picking apart every little thing that Carberry and Love do and how they're deploying our roster. So I think that in the time, uh, just like I thought in the time, Lavi was a good hire. I think that these are good hires right now. Um, I think it's going to be an exciting new duo for the NHL. And, you know, if they come out and be very successful in this next season, they're going to be the talk of the town across the entire NHL. So good for them. Wish nothing but the best, but I am cautious. So, hey, uh, in any case, as a fan, it's going to be fun to watch. The NHL draft is going to be June 28th and June 29th. So this week that the the episode's dropping, uh, a mock draft from Hockey Now says that the Caps are going to get Dalibor Dvorsky, a Slovak center who's a gifted skater and has elite vision, which... You know, <clears throat> seems good. The, the only issue that I have here is that right now the Washington Capitals kind of have a bit of a glut in the center position, which is crazy. Something that we've never had before. We've had just the right amount of centers when we won the cup with Lars Eller, you know, uh, Backstrom, Kuznetsov, and then uh, Dowd. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. Back when back then it was uh, Jay Beagle. Now we have Strom. Backstrom, Dowd, Kuznetsov, and then, you know, you could mix in Craig Smith there. He's a winger now. Uh, I'm pretty sure Connor Brown's been playing center ever. You know, we saw seven games of that guy. He's still on the roster. Um, who knows what's going to happen with him? And, uh, yeah, so that's the only thing that worries me about centers. But it is a good bargaining chip that the Washington Capitals have for, you know, maybe a second-tier center. I don't think that there's enough trade capital in Kuznetsov's performance over the past two years to really move him. I don't think that we'll get what we want. We're looking for hockey trades there. We don't really want a first rounder in three years, two years, one year uh, for Kuznetsov. And honestly, I don't think that anybody's going to pay that. For Mantha, same same thing, but even worse. You know, nobody wants him. Um, that's the funny thing about trades, folks. You got to remember. The other team needs to get better too. That's why it's a trade. 
right? That's what it's. It's not a. It's not a buy. It's not a fleecing, right? There, there's no real, you know, completely lopsided trades. A lot of times in the NHL. And you also don't see too much anymore because the cap has been so flat for the past few years. You don't really see a lot of a lot of teams having to shed big names because they've mismanaged their cap. So I think that as far as our centers go here now from last year, I think we're going to probably see a lot of the same down the middle. Also, this guy is drafted this year. These guys are being drafted this year. To think that they're going to be able to be drafted and then immediately hit the NHL is very, I think, foolish. I think uh, even um, Bedard may start it well. He's on Chicago, so he'll probably get in the in the NHL immediately. But he may go through a conditioning stint in the A, depending on how he comes into camp. Uh, like you know, I think all great players have have done that. You know, uh, I don't believe that. Many other than the top, top tier, you know, S tier players get right in. Now, Bedard may be a different case. He may actually get in. But, you know, the second who has fallen based on, you know, GM's fear that we may not get players out of Russia for a long time would be, uh, you know, this this Matt V. Michkov, who's supposed to be a franchise player. But the likelihood of him dropping to eight or starting, you know, to seem is starting to seem like a stretch through the buzz. You know, like I said, a lot of contract disputes could happen. Um, The ability for Russian players to affect, quote unquote, to North America is on thin ice. Uh, Hockey now in this same draft that that placed Dvorsky with us has Mishkot going to the Habs for the fifth pick. So while he should have probably gone second. He's dropped a few places, but we're not sure he's actually going to drop all the way to eighth. Uh, another interesting prospect is an American Ryan Leonard's, who's also up for grabs. Uh, two great, uh, great two-way forward uh, by most accounts. So not somebody who's going to you know absolutely light it up on the offensive side, but definitely a steady player who plays with an intensity every game and comes uh, to play both ways, which is huge. This is something that you know. Players that we have in the system now, like McMichael, like LaPierre, we would like to see more of the two-way game. Uh, you have to play. You have to play two ways. I want to play two ways, coach, like in the Mighty Ducks, right? So, we'll see um, what actually pans out. A lot of things could happen um, between here and now. You know, a lot of people are also talking about you know how Mishkov has dropped so far. A precipitous drop, if you will, and they're kind of comparing it to uh, Marishnichenko situation, who the Caps grabbed up after his diagnosis with Hodgkin's lymphoma, which he beat. And you know, we've talked about him on this on this episode on this uh, podcast before, but I really don't think it's as dire, right? You know, when a player is dealing with a life-threatening disease versus global politics, I feel like that's a much bigger question on on you know the player being a viable NHLer rather than the player is a viable NHLer, but we got to stuff him into a trunk Sergei Fedorov style and drive him over the border into Czechoslovakia so that we can get him into the U S you know, I feel like that's at least possible, but if unfortunately a player has a, you know, a crazy dire health condition that may, you know, threaten his life even 
that's a, a much more serious, I, I would I would say, than you know these global politics that go. So <clears throat> that being said, I don't think we're gonna get Mishkov. That would be amazing. I hope we do. I don't know if we trade up for him uh, again. Who knows? And Philly's in the mix. The Habs are in the mix. You know, there's a lot of people and a lot of teams that are going to be making moves and shaking, moving and shaking in this next week. And even it could be, it could literally be like the, as their docket is called to go up and make their pick, they announce that they're being, they're trading their pick for something else. Um, <clears throat> you know, love this mental masturbation and speculation, but we don't know till it happens and ton things could go, ha- go, go wrong or right for the Washington Capitals. So I definitely think that I will be tuning in. I usually don't check the draft because, you know, again, even the, the buzz on, on Mishkov even is that he may need a couple years to develop, to be an NHL or, uh, you know, there's these, these high draft picks still need to be developed. You know, we know it. Like Michael is a great example. I think I've said his name a hundred times in this episode, but <clears throat> all that to say, um, we've got a good spot and I think that we'll probably get an NHL talent. Uh, it's just, who's it going to be, right? I would sug- I would think that we're going to be leaning towards, you know, our, our B and C picks are likely forwards. Uh, and then when we get to the D picks, it's going to be probably the top defenseman in the draft, which will be great. It's a good place to be in. It's okay. Um, but I'm not sure what it's going to do to affect us in the 23-24 season. That's it. All right, Caps fans, thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for bearing with me uh, throughout this this whole thing. Uh, after the draft, I'll likely put out an epi, uh, get you informed on a lot of different news. And then from there, probably taking the summer off. <clears throat> we'll come back for the 23-24 season. Where, you know, I'll be back, Hockey Troll, talking all the shit. If you like the podcast, please rate us, five stars only. And in any case, I appreciate you listening to me jabber on. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what's going on. Until next time, Hockey Troll, signing off. Hey Caps fans, thanks for tuning in to the official Caps Turn podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, the Hockey Troll, at Hockey Trolling on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow the show's handle, at Caps Chirp, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Special thanks to the Hockey Podcast Network, at HockeyPodNet on social, and thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. The Hockey Podcast Network, every team, everywhere. Check them out, or we're not friends anymore.